This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Shanna Kennedy is one of Australia's foremost strategic executive life and health coaches. She works to transform her clients' careers, well-being, and lives. She specializes in executive strategy, transition, values, vision, overcoming burnout, and life planning for individuals. Her proven expertise enables clients to gain control of their lives in order to achieve their visions and goals and find happiness and fulfillment. She's a best-selling author, well-being specialist, keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, media contributor, and a wife and a mother of two. Shanna lives and dances with chronic fatigue syndrome and depression and is committed to living her best and most energetic life based on her values and commitment to authenticity. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books and Spiritual Practice and Mindfulness, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Christy Adloff, a host of the channel. Today, I'm talking to Shanna Kennedy about her new book, The Life Plan. So welcome to the show, Shanna. Well, thank you for having me. This is awesome how we can be global and across the other side of the world and have these amazing conversations. I know. So you just have an interesting story and I thought it would be helpful for people to kind of hear um, how you kind of came into changing your life, it sounds like, and and kind of developing this life plan and becoming a coach. Can yeah, you that? absolutely. Well, I sort of was raised and a lot of the audience might sort of um, connect with this as the A-type overachieving perfectionist, you know, achievement junkie who thought working hard with a badge of honour was a badge of honour, you know, uh, with no no real um, care for self along the way, you know, no protection of the assets. So I worked really hard. I had an amazing job in corporate sport looking after 200 elite athletes. So I was surrounded in high performance. I was ex- surrounded in, you know, extremism the whole time as well. And so that sort of was part of my mindset, you know, you go hard or you go home type of thing. And that ended for me in chronic fatigue syndrome and depression, which was over 20 years ago, which I still have to manage today. Unfortunately, when you when you do crack the system, you know, when you do abuse your body like that and push that hard, it is a long-term effect, it's not a short quick fix that, oh, well, we'll just quickly fix it. So I learned the hard way and it was actually while I was very sick um, and in bed for a year that I actually learned about life coaching and I got myself a coach from um, the US because it wasn't even here in Australia yet 20 years ago and I knew I just wanted someone in my corner, someone to help unpack the way that I was thinking that was just so destructive and repack me in a much healthier version. So 
in that moment, I really had the epiphany of, you know, what is happening with my athletes? You know, when when an athlete finishes their sport or gets injured or they get dropped from the team or they retire at the age of 27, nobody knows who they are without the job title or the sporting club or or, or that, you know, the, the big wins that they've had. So I thought, wow, there's nobody cares about people when they've finished their job. So I studied life coaching. I think I was one of the first in Melbourne and that was the big life change for me where I thought I want to have a family, I want to get married, I want to be really healthy, I want to enjoy my life and I'm not going to be able to do it with that type of attitude. So I really changed my attitude to be a high performer but a much healthier version So I started my coaching practice 20 years ago, um, coaching elite athletes into retirement. And it sort of transitioned into everybody, you know, CEOs, leadership teams, people leaving school, stay-at-home mums, just everyday humans who who really think, wow, I, I need to define who I am and where I want to go and how I'm going to get there and mostly define how I want to feel in my life. Uh, which I think a lot of people forget about. They think about what they want rather than how they want to feel. So when we develop a life plan, it's all about, you know, your 10-year-older self and how you want to feel. And that gives you purpose today. There's a reason to go to yoga today or there's a reason to go for a walk today because that that 10-year-older self is saying, please keep moving. There's a reason not to abuse our money today and to keep saving because that 10-year-old self, you know, wants more support. So it gives a lot of purpose when you've done the work to think about your own life plan. And I'm curious because you said like you started with elite athletes and I I think that's such a great um, truth of they've been working so hard their whole life to be the soccer player, to be, you know, what a, a football player, whatever they're going to be. And then suddenly it's over. And so did you feel like you learned from them in terms of developing the life plan or like, did you already kind of have that from your own experience with like chronic fatigue? Sort of yeah, depression? I think it was a little mixture of both. So I, I witnessed everything um, through them. But then when I had chronic fatigue, I went from the Jerry Maguire job to zero. So I had money to give away in my job as a sponsorship manager and product to give away. And when I was sick, the phone didn't ring. And that was a really awful, horrible thing to have to admit that um, you think you've got 150 friends, but you don't. They're just people that want things from you. And it's all about your job and what they can get. And it, it was a horrible awakening for me that you are not your job. You need to develop yourself as a person. You need to develop a network for yourself, some hobbies for yourself and a life for yourself. Um, And because once you leave that job, it's all gone. It's not real. So, and I wasn't living the real life. I was flying around in helicopters and airplanes and, you know, it's very easy to get sucked into this kind of lifestyle and, um, but it's not real. And I had to really go back to working out what what's most important to me. And it was my health. It was my family and it was my sense of achievement. So my sense of achievement now is, am I breathing? Do I live a grateful life? Am I present rather than uh, achievement junkie ticking things off the list, which I still do, but um, I don't value that as much as what did you do today to care for yourself? So you have longevity in your job and in your life. 
Well, that kind of leads into um, where you start the book. And also I, I do acceptance commitment therapy with a lot of people I work with, and which is also built on values, right? And so there's this idea of values that you start with, which the way we talk about an ACT is like, if you live towards your values and you kind of make sure that you're living towards those things that are important to you, that you are um, having the best life that you can. And when we go away from those values, we tend to use like distraction or things that don't feel as good to us and don't feel as positive to us. And you kind of start the book with like individuals figuring out what their values are. And so I didn't know if you could talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. So if, if you don't know them, then how do you know if you're making the right decision? for yourself you know you're 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 just reactionary and I think values are like the home base they are the foundation of which to build the house which to build the life they are the soils of which to grow the plant they are they are the everything and I feel that it's really unfortunate that we're not taught that in school actually that you know when you really know what is most important to you and you can see it and you can define it you know mine are on the mirror mine are on a sticky note here they've been here for 20 years looking me in the face and that's the boss that's who i report to every day my health my sense of how did i show up for family um, and what did you do to achieve, to have a sense of achievement today not just professionally but as a human being so every day I need to report back in to my values and, and have a look at what were the actions that you actually took today towards them. And I think if a lot of people don't know them, they're just making decisions. They don't even know what for. And so where do people, I mean, I know that like other people have lists like Brene Brown and Russ Harris and all of them about values, but like where, how would you um, help somebody kind of define what their values are? Um, yeah, well, there's a whole list in the book, um, but it's really about what, what are you all about? You know, some people um, have a value of creativity, you know, they're very creative people. Um, it's in their blood. It's the way they show up in life. They've got lots of color, lots of flair. Great. Well, how do you bring that to your finances? How do you bring creativity into the way that you care for yourself? Um, so we want to use our values as well. Um, so health for me is mental, physical, emotional and spiritual. Um, so it's every day. What am I doing to fill up the bucket? What do I want to learn? How do I want to incorporate some of these routines and rituals and habits into my life? So it's. Um, I, th I think they are the pivotal part of finding joy and happiness in your life, finding a sense of fulfillment in your life, because they're measurable. They're, there's, they're the boss. They're who you check into. They're the base of your emotional intelligence. They're the gateway to your future self on how to make decisions for the rest of your life. So I do think that that is the very beginning of someone's journey who wants to create a plan for themselves for the future. Thank you. That's a great explanation. I agree with you, actually. Like it, I mean, we, we work hard. I think we get into that life, like you're talking about, you were in the helicopters and this, and we're moving, 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 which I think is encouraged um, in society um, and not to slow down and kind of think about what's important to me and why am I doing these things. Um, and so, like, I guess it makes me think as we're moving, moving, moving this idea of burnout, right? And like, 
and some of your life plan makes me think of if we're thinking of our values, like how do we avoid burnout? I think everybody burns out at some point. Like I can say, I definitely felt burnt out, especially from the pandemic as a psychologist, like working. And I actually, we chose to take a month off with my family and that's one of my important values. And like, it was so wonderful to be able to just focus on my children and not be running in 10 directions and my family. So, um, well, well, I guess like when you're working with your clients, like how do you help them with that idea mm. of burnout? Well, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that the pandemic has really burnt everybody out because we went into a state of fear. But also in the professions that we're in as a coach and a psychologist, you know, our business has tripled. Um, at the same time, our family was home. So it, it was about burnout. But for me, it was what are the essential things that I can do on a daily basis, because every day is a marathon, that are going to really help preserve me. So I, I really like for people to think of themselves as an elite athlete. And we are an athlete of life. And every day we need to warm up like an elite athlete does. So we need some rituals in the morning that help us be grounded, that moves our body. So I have the three M's every morning, make my bed, move my body, mindfully breathe. That is the warm-up, just like an elite athlete does a warm-up. Then we run the marathon, which is the day. You know, we're open for the day. And if we don't stop at the Gatorade stations along the way, we're going to finish the marathon a mess. So the Gatorade stations for me is every time I wash my hands and every time I go to the bathroom, I take three deep grounding breaths. I look in the mirror, I check in with the person. I just refuel. I have some more water. So that's six times a day I'm getting to refuel. And then at the end of the day, the athlete finishes the race. They don't just jump in the car and, and, and just stop. They have to warm down. They get the massage. They have to refuel. They have to cool the muscles down. We're the same. We need to cool down from the day as well. So what do you do after you close the laptop? You know, what are your rituals and routines before bed that help you wind down the brain? So if we're taking the phone into bed and scrolling and looking at Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and Twitter and breaking news and emails, you know, you're still racing. You're still running and trying to go to sleep at the same time. So the visual that I give my clients is they are an athlete of life and every day, you know, we need to warm up, run the race, drink the Gatorade stations and cool down. And it really helped people through the pandemic because they created some really great morning rituals. Every time they went to the bathroom, they had sticky notes everywhere that said breathe, look in the mirror, connect with self, check in with the state of your mind um, and the state of your body and take the breaths. And then at night time, you know, lying down with your legs up the wall to watch television, to do some gratitude work, to put the phone in the ensuite in the bathroom rather than next to the to bed so that you could maybe read in bed or, or, or write in your journal. So people got a chance to really change their life, especially in Melbourne. We were the most locked down city in the world. We had two years of lockdown. Hmm. Yes, I was I was homeschooling my yeah. children, <laughs> um, which was a yeah. challenge in itself. <laughs> same, yeah. same. So I mean, yeah, I know it was a challenging time, um, and hopefully, I think we're just living with it now, right? Um, I am curious though, because you're talking about how you take care of yourself, and like you are busy, like you're running a business, you have children, you have a family. 
you have a marriage, like, and so how do you, like, what are some things that you do to kind of manage all of that for yourself? Yeah, I've got two businesses. I've written eight books. Um, I've got my vision board kits, which are a massive hit at Barnes and Noble at the moment, which is great. I've got two teenagers. Yes, a husband and a dog and, and, and elderly parents to look after at the same time. So for me, it is about being ever present and living in the hour. So once you do your plan, there's a great quote that I have here on my computer. It says, plan in decades. So we think about the next 10 years and how everything is going to change. When you think about your age and your children's age, you're going to have a completely different home. Um, that allows us then to think in the year. That allows us to work in the month and live in the day. So because the planning is done, it allows me to live in today. So when there is overwhelm, anxiety, burnout feelings coming in, I instantly go back to just focus on the next hour. Because if I focus on all of the things that I need to do today, I'll probably have a panic attack. So let's just think about the next hour and enjoy it. So really embodying how I want to feel every day is, has been absolutely instrumental in allowing me not to feel burnt out 20 years into my job and through a pandemic. So these skills work. And people know them, but they just don't do them. We know we need to move our body every day. We know we need to take conscious breaths to reset your nervous system. We know we have to drink water. We know we have to get and protect our sleep routine. So I actually do it. And I think that's just the difference. Um, if you actually do it and you think about it and every time you go to the bathroom, which is six times a day, you took three breaths, that's 18 breaths a day to calm yourself down and just to be present. We don't get today back. We don't get this time that we're chatting together back. So let's be present. Let's enjoy it. Let's take a breath. Let's actually be grateful that we can have these global conversations rather than thinking about what's next and what's next and what's next because it's already on your to-do list. The other thing that I did which really helped with my energy was I changed to do to get to. I get to unstack the dishwasher. I get to homeschool my children. I get to do this podcast. I get to coach these people this afternoon. I get to write another book. And when I changed that in my mind, the weight lifted. You know, we, we get to go for a walk. We don't have to go for a walk. We get to do that. So I really feel that a lot of that mindset training, a lot of the breath work, um, has actually allowed me to to have the jobs and the titles and the being the parent and the wife and the daughter and the coach and the speaker and the author. It all allows it because it's about feeling it and being grateful. I think that's a great, yeah, I tell people instead of saying I should do it, it's I could do it, right? We have a choice in the matter. So um, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm just curious because you're talking a lot about mindfulness, actually living in the present moment. But then there's also this planning. I'm wondering if you could walk us through that. You, you said like, you know, um, vision the decade, like think about the decade so that you can live in the year, so you can live in the month, so you can live in the day. And I know that's a lot of what the life plan book is about. And so I'm wondering if you could actually walk our listeners through it so that they have an idea of how to take those steps in their yeah. lives. So so I'm I'm 52, so I will 
plan in the decade. So I'll think about my 62-year-old self. So how do I want to feel? Where do I want to be financially? What do I want in my body? Because it'll be through menopause, so it'll be completely different. Um, What life experiences do I want before 60? Um, What are my big goals to achieve before 60? So I really, really think about how she feels and what her day looks like and how strong she is and how flexible she is and what her hobbies might be. So that's that creative piece. That's the life plan. We, we have to project forward so we know where to drive the car. You know, people say, I don't know. Well, we need to get out a map and plot a destination. And, yes, we might do some detours, but we need to know what direction we're driving in. So it's the same with our life. The brain needs to hold on to a vision. And that's what helps you make decisions. That's what helps you set goals. So if there's no vision, you're going around the roundabout. It's just the same old, same old. And you're very reactionary. So you start with planning in the decade. Um, And that's that's a beautiful thing to do. And you can create vision boards for that. So I create vision boards all the time. Um, And then we think about the year. So I'll think about 2023 now. And I'll think about, okay, well, we've got four quarters. So I only think then in 12-week blocks, what do I want to do in spring and summer and autumn and winter? 12-week blocks. Okay, well, winter is when I do most of my work. I do my tax returns. I look at my insurances. I get the car. So all the boring things get done in winter because I don't want to do them in summer. So there's a lot of rhythm and ritual to the year as well about when we do things. And that allows me just to think about the month. So we're in the month of October now. Okay, what were the goals for October? Um, It's broken into its four weeks. What do I want to do for my health, my family and my sense of achievement, my values? Okay, well, it's all in the diary. It's all, all written out. So now let go. Totally let go. And be really present in this precious day that you've been given on earth. You've already got your lists, you've got your vision, let go and just really feel your life. So it's a beautiful way to live, I think. Um, It's like you, if you're an athlete, you've thought about life after sport already. If they've thought about that and planted the seeds, they can really enjoy the moment that they're in because they feel secure and knowing that this is what I will do after rather than being in a panic state whilst they're in this joyful period because they don't know what's next, the brain can't let go then. Um, as you know, you know, we the brain's really lazy. It lo- just looks for fear. It looks for danger. So we need to keep creating a vision that's inspiring and motivating and exciting for ourselves. And that allows us to be mindful. And I'm wondering how you help individuals because there is a, oftentimes a fear, right? A fear of change or a fear of um, failure or, and it can, it, it can cause us to get stuck and, and make it hard to move forward or hard to envision those next 10 years. And so how do you help individuals kind of, I mean, there's the values piece, but even then sometimes we can know what our values are and still feel stuck or feel that fear. And so how do you encourage people or help people kind of take that next step so that they're not living in the second? You talked a little bit about this in the book as well. Yeah. Look, fear is false evidence appearing real. It's not even real. So it's a story that we create for ourselves. So when we talk about change your state, change your story, change your life, you know, we need to get out of our stuck state. So the first thing that we could do is move our body because we always feel different 
and think differently once we've moved our body, even if it's a walk around the block. And then you can say, okay, what's the story that I'm telling myself? Is it really true? Oh, you know, I, we lived in a pandemic where we, we were only allowed out one hour a day for two years, basically, one hour a day. Um, okay, the first thing I wrote down is what is the gift in today? What is the gift that I'm only allowed out for one hour? What is the gift here? And I had to find the gifts every day. So it changed the story in my brain. And I have to say I really enjoyed the lockdowns because it gave me time to be with my children. I wrote another book. I wrote Plan B about embracing change. Uh, I cleaned out the house. Um, I created new vision boards. I did a lot of amazing things because I wasn't allowed to do anything outside of this home. So it's a very interesting period, I think. But I think when people have that stuck, I don't know. We need to ask ourselves just some really powerful questions like, um, how do you want to feel? Because they don't know what the job is that they want or what they want to create, but they do know how they want to feel. And once you start with how you want to feel, calm, confident, gracious, strong, flexible, energetic, um, we've got these wonderful words, then we can say, okay, if you want to feel calm, what are the habits and rituals and routines that would help you feel calm? What would you like to learn about? Is it breathing? Is it stretching? Is it vision creation of the people, the role models that help you feel calm? So we can take just a word and then create a plan around the word. I like that. It's, it's simplifying things for people, right? Like finding a word and then like, let's just focus on this one word for now. And we can create those habits and those rituals around this word. Um, and you talk a lot about habits and rituals and the importance of those in the life plan. So you have your values, you have your vision board, and then it sounds like it breaks down into smaller pieces um, to help people accomplish their goals and live the life that they want to live that makes them feel yeah. the best. But if you don't have the vision to start with, it's so difficult for people to get inspired to go and learn about breathing or to go to yoga. They think they have to because they have to, whereas I'm thinking about I am going to yoga because I am wanting to be strong. I am wanting to be flexible as a 70-year-old. So I am serving my future self. So there's a very different purpose. Um, and that's a really nice investment rather than a, I have to because I should. Um, so when you do a life plan properly, you, you all of that language is taken away because you have absolute purpose in everything that you're doing today because it's all going towards that future self. It sounds like, because you're talking a lot about vision boards. So just, I know you said that, are they it's in sale at Barnes & Noble in the U.S. as well? Okay. <laughs> um, just checking, because I don't know. Um, and so like people could go purchase like your vision board to think about it. And if, but with other resources, can you kind of describe what a vision, like a, what a vision board might look like or how people would yeah, create so, it? So, you know, What's we need to, you need to see it to be it. If we can't see it, we can't be it. So if I want to be strong as a 60, 70 year old, I would put, put pictures up of people on my vision board who were strong, lifting a weight doing their yoga, doing a headstand. And what that does is every day when I see it, I'm like, they moved their body to be like that. You need to move your body. 
So I get excited by seeing them. I'm like, oh, well, they're out there today doing it, so I'm going to go out there. So we, we need to draw motivation. But it also allows us to make great decisions because we've connected emotionally with a visual and, and with a photo. You know, I've got this this picture here um, that's with me all the time. It's a girl with balloons and she's running around with balloons. She's an older woman and, um, you know, T-shirt's out and her hair's messy but the balloons are colourful. And she reminds me, she's been on my computer for years, and she reminds me that life's a playground and the job that you do is the ride. So you get on the Ferris wheel or the pirate ship or the, the roller coaster and you get off every day and your life is the playground. The jobs come and go, the people come and go, but you, you're running around with the balloons every day. So what do you want to create for yourself? And that is, that is really important to me to have that visual and that's where vision boards are really important. Then I might have, you know, a couple just holding hands and that's, that rep might represent connection for me. Like am I really caring for my husband still <laughs> or am I just existing with him because we're so busy? How can I look at him and remember that I love him and that I want to care about him and when I look at my children, I can ask myself the question, you know, what would love do? Oh, they've got a floor drobe again today or they forgot to make their bed today. And I'm like, well, what would love do? Well, they're pretty under pressure. They're all in the exam period here at the moment and finishing year 12. Uh, making their bed is not front of mind for them. They're trying to just survive and get through these big exams that have so much pressure attached to them. Oh, what would love do? I might go and make their bed for them. So when you have visual of the words, the quotes, the pictures, it helps you keep turning up being the person that you want to be. And then eventually you turn into that person. Um, if you don't have that visual, it's really hard to remember. Um, in the pandemic, this girl with the balloons was with me every day and it was about approaching each client with lightness and joy and being present for them rather than oh, gosh, I've got 15 clients today and they're all locked down and they're all hurting. It's going to be a day of hell. I don't say that. I'm like, I want to be really joy and light and energetic for each one and really listen to their story and really give them some practical tools and tips. So she was really helpful because changing our story and our state and our mindset was actually what made me get through without burning out. So vision boards, I think, are just putting um, that 10-year plan, that life plan into pictures where we can emotionally connect with what we want to create. So then if you break it down, you have the vision board with the 10 years, and then I know you said then you go to the year and then you actually, with the year, you break it into 12-week periods. And how do you encourage people to move along that process? So they have created their 10-year plan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you've got the vision. Great. You want to be really strong, for example, or really flexible, for example. Flexible body, body, flexible mind, strong body, strong mind. Great. Okay. So what does that look like for you? Is it lifting weights? Is it running? Is it walking? What What is your version of strong and flexible? And then we break it down. So what could you be doing in the next year to build up to something? What is a goal? And then you can break it down to what you need to do each week. So we can do that with finances, with, you know, I'd love to be in this position financially. And then we can break it down and, and that gives you the purpose today. 
of why you put $50 into an account rather than spending it on food or going to a sale. So it, it allows you just to, just once you have the vision, chunk everything down into bite-sized pieces that we can actually do today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And so how do you encourage, because mindfulness is such a, I mean, it's such a hot thing right now anyways, and meditation and all of those things. And um and even as we're talking about the visions, it still comes down to today, right? Like we'll break it down and we want to live in the present moment and do the things today. And so how do you teach people? Because I feel like a lot of people have either aversion to the idea of meditation or mindfulness. And I oftentimes teach mindful moments, like let's have a mindful moment. But I'm curious how you kind of talk about being able to be mindful and being able to be present. Because as you said, our brains don't want to do that. We want to go to the future. We want to go to the past. We want to be lazy and like create our narratives. So I'm curious, like how you help people be present in the moment. Well, a little bit like what you said about, you know, meditation. I would love to meditate twice a day for 20 minutes, but that's not going to happen in my life. It's just not. (laughs) And it's too hard for me and it's way too hard for my brain. So When I do the three breaths, every time I wash my hands and go to the bathroom and when I wake up and when I turn the shower on and just three breaths, three mindful breaths, that is my moving meditation throughout the day. And I find that that's achievable for me. I find that it's unbelievably powerful for me. I feel it supports chronic fatigue and depression. Um, So it's about creating your version of what works for you in your lifestyle and you know, there's, there's kids and there's dogs and it's just too hard here to sit down for 20 minutes and meditate. And I don't really want to. I actually want to break it into changing my life hour by hour because um, that's far more enjoyable for me. And I think about it as every time I take my three breaths, I'm co- co- putting coins in the jar of, of um, enjoying my life. So I'll taste the coffee or I'll um, look outside and notice a bird. So I, it's, it's about really training yourself and practicing. And then it sort of becomes a way of life. Like in the supermarket queue, uh, you know, I used to get really angry when someone was slow and, oh, there's three trolleys in front of me. I now say this, this is the universe telling you to practice breathing. So I actually just meditate through the queue and I breathe and I can actually shut my hearing down so I don't hear anything around me. I'm so into my body and into my breath. And their moments will never get back in life. So it's just the practice, the practice of smell. So, you know, every time in between every single client that I have, um, I roll on these, you know, little rolly um, essential oils and I will smell um, between each client to reset my body. So these small little habits and props that I have around me support me to be mindful, really support me to be mindful. And it's something I really dedicated a lot of time to because when you have chronic fatigue, there is a lot of pain involved. Um, Depression, there is just a lot of dark moments that come in. 
And the way that I reset myself is to be totally grateful for what I have in front of me right now. And that has been trained into me for a long time. I was going to say, I think, um, I mean, it is like retelling our narrative, right? Retelling our story to ourselves, creating ways that we can think positively. And it sounds like part of even the mindfulness is finding something that works for us. So like you talked about the essential oils and for someone else, it might be they can sit for 20 minutes and meditate. But I know you kind of had mentioned that like smelling the essential oils coming back into your body feels really good to you. Um, and feels, yeah, and then it resets you. Um, yeah, and, and you know, you sit at your desk all day as well. Um, you know, what, so, so whatever's around your desk is going to help you. Um, so that, that, that desk surrounding is critical. So I've got vision board on my second screen here, so I'm seeing the words constantly, um, that I'm living my passion, that friendship is important, that, I'm abundantly rewarded for the work and I love to do it. And um, I've got this little box here that says, um, you know, there is no one quite like you, you know, that a friend gave me. So if you're not surrounding yourself with the little props to keep you present and mindful and the words and the pictures, you know, that, that are right in front of you to help you train your brain, it's very hard for the brain. It just can't do it. It's too much. So that's why visual, audio, smell, touch, taste, having a nice blanket on the back of your chair, um, that they're very important with trying to be mindful and live a mindful and grateful life. And, yes, it's super busy, but it's very yeah. mindful. But one of the things that you did talk about too is the drainers that we have in life, which I think the drainers can also lead lead to burnout too. And you said the importance of like thinking about those. And so can you kind of explain what drainers are and what's the best way to kind of deal with? Yeah. So drainers are in all areas of our life. And I, I sort of think of them as sandbags that sit on your shoulder and we need to get them off. So they're not in your conscious mind, they're in your subconscious. So you know, if you go and wash your car, um, it might take, I know, 15 minutes to wash your car, 10 minutes to wash your car quickly and clean the rubbish out and wipe the inside. And you then you get in your car and you think, gosh, I feel like a different person. That was fantastic. A lot of the draining things in our life only take 10 minutes to fix, clean out that drawer, um, get rid of the clutter. It's all just small things that add up. So it's about getting rid of as many drainers in your life as possible. So there's um, living environment, there's finances and making sure everything's up to date. Um, There is relationships, which is about, you know, really do you tell the people that are important to you that you do love them? Um, Do you actually give your partner the right amount of time and energy? Um, I need to walk with my partner in the morning. Um, That's our date because at the end of the day, we're both too tired. We both run marathons. That is not the time to be having important conversations. First thing in the morning works for us. So that's a much better time for us to converse and share stories and on our morning walk at 6 a.m. So that's you have to create what's best for you. Um, so I think drainers are people who also are your dream stealers. You know, there's a lot of dream stealers out there. So you've got to be careful with who you share your goals with and your life plan with because 
a lot of people can shoot that down very, very quickly because then it's not on your path or they wish they were and they're not going to be so they'll bring you down as well. So it happens a lot when people lose weight, as you know, that, you know, other people um, are quite envious of you being really committed um, so that, and, and they're actually not supporting you on the journey. Yeah, I think it, um, there's people that always kind of snatch it away or make you, make you question your dreams and your goals, right? Um, and it reminds me of also as you're talking about this, so we have like that decluttering of, of things that we look around and they, I'm guessing they bother us in some capacity and that's why we need to declutter it. And you also talk about the importance of like an energy toolkit or like kind of finding ways to energize yourself. I think you kind of spoke about some of them for you, but kind of what would you describe as like the energy toolkit? Yeah, so a return on energy is is like, you know, your return on investment. So are the activities that you do or the people that you see or the habits that you have, are they a good return on investment for you? So some of the habits that people have don't make them feel good. You know, if you're having four or five coffees a day, you're not feeling good. So it's not a really good investment into yourself. It's quite draining. So it's not good for your energy. So, the, the you know, if you speak to, if I speak to um, my mother-in-law for too long, it's not a good return on investment for me. So I tell her I've only got 15 minutes. Is that okay? Rather, Otherwise, she'll take the hour and, and, and it's not serving me too well. So really protecting yourself with some great boundaries, really asking yourself, does this make me feel how I said I wanted to feel? I wanted to feel calm and confident and energetic and strong. Well, spending two hours with that person listening to their problems over a coffee is actually wasn't very nice for me. So I need to be able to explain to them, oh, look, I want to listen about your ex-boyfriend for I'm going to give you 10 minutes and then we're not allowed to talk about him, you know, and make it a bit lighter and a bit more fun. So we need to we need to be very careful about energy stealers and and, we, and what we're doing to ourselves with our habits as well because ultimately 80% of the day is our habits. Yeah, I actually have a question about that, but um, it's so interesting because I think a lot of people are people pleasers or are, are not in tune with how they're feeling. And a lot of what you're talking about is you have to be, and I believe this too, you have to be in tune with how you're feeling about things to kind of know what you want and where you are. And, and just that if you're a people pleaser, you might give your mother-in-law an hour, even though you know you're not feeling good through that process. Um, and so just what is the importance of like, kind of creating that pleasurable life for yourself? Well, it's all about self-awareness. So, you know, that's why we need a life plan. We need to be in our car. We need to be in the driver's seat, not the passenger seat. So when we're feeling not how we want to feel, it means you're in the passenger seat. You need to take responsibility and not play the blame game and get in the driver's seat and make the best decisions for yourself. Um, and responsibility versus blame should be taught at school as well. You know, that victim mentality, oh, I don't want to go because they've booked the restaurant at the wrong time. Well, maybe you should have spoken up and said you want to go early um, because you need to get to bed because you've got a big day tomorrow. But people just don't own it. 
Um, so we need to start that self-awareness, that self-management and that self-leadership part where we need to want to lead ourselves. We want to get in the driver's seat and we want to take control. We want to control the controllables. We want to speak clearly. We can't speak clearly if we don't have a plan. It's just all off the top of the head. So when you really know how you want to feel and what your journey is and what you want to create for yourself, you can start to communicate properly. And with people pleasing and our, and our energy and our habits, we can then start refining them. So I, I call it fine-tuning your life every year. So every year we just fine-tune. It's like putting the car in and just fine-tune. Oh, that habit doesn't serve me anymore. That person was too draining last year. I need to change that up. Or I gave my energy to, to, away to too many people. I need to cut back 10%. So when we fine-tune ourselves because we, we're constantly breathing and looking in the mirror and checking in six times a day in the marathon, we're journaling at night, it's pretty easy to fine-tune. This is not working for me. If we're not doing any of those habits and we're not breathing and we're not grounding ourselves, we don't have a vision and we're not being mindful, you just don't even know how you feel. You don't even know who you are. So it's a beautiful process to fall in love with yourself, your best friend, hold their hand and say, where do we want to go together? Uh, what do we want to create together? Um, what are the habits? What are the goals? Um, where do we set the boundaries? Um, so it, it's so beautiful. It's so such a lovely journey when we have that attitude. And I'm so busy thinking about what's best for me and, and how I can serve other people from a full tank rather than an empty tank that life's pretty great. Life's great even when we get the curveball because we know how to breathe, we know how to journal, we, we've done the work. Um, and I do want to give to people in my job from a full tank. I want to give to my children from a full tank. I want to give to my marriage from a full tank. So no one's going to fill that tank except for me. So I really need to protect the asset, which is myself, and know who I am without my job, and know what habits serve me best, so that I can show up as that person. So can you talk a little bit then as you, because you've talked about habits a lot and how you help people or like the habits that are non-negotiable for you. You've mentioned them a few times, I think. I think they're habits, but I'll check in with you. Um, but also like how you help people create those habits and what's important in creating a habit. Because I think not everybody's aware of that. Mm. So again, I, I always take my clients back to being an elite athlete. So you're an athlete of life. So it starts from the minute you open your eyes in the morning. So let's just start there and start building from there to the warm-up routine. So, you know, you might be lying in bed and you wake up. The first thing I do is think about, oh, I woke up. That's awesome. I'm, I'm alive today. I've got another chance today. And then I'm so grateful that I have a bed and warm and comfortable and I think of all of those poor women in the Ukraine who don't have anything and and in Africa and I'm like I'm so grateful so grateful and I take my three breaths and I get up so that people can start just at the beginning of the race and start building and once you've got your morning routine down then it's like oh now it's my work day what works for me and doesn't work for me in my work day and if I don't do the breathing and have a glass of water and look in the mirror every time I wash my hands in the bathroom, 
I am not connected. I'm on the treadmill. So it's a really big practice for me that works really well and getting people to organise their desk so it's really supportive and a beautiful place to be um, and learning the boundaries about when we switch off. And then their nighttime routine is just thinking about what's the last thing I do before I close my eyes? Is it look at breaking news or is it writing three things I'm grateful for? Which one's going to help me feel how I need to feel? And we just start working backwards there. Uh, You know, when you brush your teeth, do you look in the mirror? Are you grateful? Um, Do you check in with your day that you showed up? And it was hard and, oh, that curveball came and didn't expect that and whatever it might be. So it's the small fine-tuning um, and if we break the day into the, those three sections, warm up, the marathon and the, the cool down, for me personally, all of my clients connect instantly. You've talked a lot about being grateful and the gratitude and there's a lot of research about writing three things down a day actually that changes the way that we view the world, that we start seeing more and more that we're grateful for. And so is that a habit that you encourage people to do? And- Yes, yes, I have what's called the five-minute journal and um, you can buy them online. I don't know who publishes them, but every morning you have to write three things you're grateful for before that day even starts. So that's next. That's my part of my warm-up for work. So I put the computer on and then start writing. And it's really interesting because you have to dig deep and go, what am I grateful for? I've been in my house for two years without being allowed out beside the front gate for more than an hour. Um, it's It was hard. It was really hard. I had to dig really deep. And then I found the smallest things like I'm so grateful for my essential oils or I'm so grateful that I can move my body, um, that I've got YouTube and I can learn how to do a headstand or I've got YouTube, I can learn how to put some makeup on or whatever it might be. So I really was digging deep. Um, but I really found that that practice altered my state. Um, and when we can keep getting into the state of how we want to feel, um, that's the ultimate. We don't need to take pills. We don't need to drink alcohol. We don't need to take more drugs. We don't need to do that. We can really do it by just being ever grateful and present for just what you do have in life. And the more that we're grateful, the more we have to be grateful for, more comes to us. The more that we celebrate who we are in our life, the more we have to celebrate. And then you mentioned journaling too. What do you think is the importance of journaling? Um, I think journaling is about unpacking your brain. It's, um, it's, there's a lot of things about journaling and one of them is a record of your life basically and your thoughts. I think it's really beautiful to see when you look back that every day was different. You know, one day you might have been sad, happy, angry, ecstatic all in the same day and it shows you that not, this too shall pass, that nothing stays the same. So it's evidence that nothing, that everything changes. So I think it serves a great purpose there. It's a great place to dump our thoughts, unpack our thoughts, read our thoughts and, and see them clearly. It's a great place to put down quotes. You know, when I read a book and I'm like, oh, I love that quote, I've got somewhere to put it. Um, it's a great place for me to journal my dreams of what I would like. So you can use journals for all different reasons. But um, I think that there's so much going on in the mind that when you read your thoughts, you oh, did I do I really think that? That's interesting. And then we can work with something. 
And then I know um, you talked about the importance of being able to take breaks and to play and also to recognize when you do need to take like a sabbatical or a break. And um, just, I feel like in the rat race, when people are running, 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 I think people do define themselves a lot of times by their job and the hobbies and things like that do get lost. And so can you just talk about the importance of playing and how to know when to take that break for your life? Mm, mm. Well, there are scheduled breaks that, you know, each person has a different capacity um, on how much they can cope with and how much they can take. So some people don't need many and some people need a lot. So there's the scheduled breaks, which I think are really important, which is, you know, the days you might have technology free or the days where you just don't look at work or the days that you do do your hobbies. Um, And then there's, you know, being spontaneous um, and allowing a bit of that play to come in every day. And that's why the girl with the balloons is important to me because she reminds me that we need to have the playing mindset on the whole time anyway. Um, But for me personally, you know, I I need to go away every year for seven days on my own, completely solo. Um, I've been doing that for about 15 years. Uh, Seven days I go to a retreat, I sit, I reflect, I move my body, I sleep 10 hours a day, I journal, I read novels, I eat organic food no coffee no alcohol no sugar no dairy just for seven days and I just it's like the highlight of my year it's like a full going in for a service and then I can drive back out again for another year so everybody's got things that really work for them um, and we need to put them into our plan and sometimes it's playing with it a little bit to figure out what that what does work for you. So yeah, I mean, I know. would love to play golf one day because um, you know I think it's great. You're outdoors, you're chatting to people, you might have a long lunch, you know, it's moving your body. But the thought of golf at the at the moment just does not really work at all in the busyness of my life. However, I do go and get some golf lessons, so I'm already planting the seed for my seventy year old self. I don't want to start playing golf at 70. I want to learn now how to swing correctly so that when I am 70, I'm pretty confident to go out there. And I play the odd game, but it's certainly nothing I really want to do now. But I know in the future it will be really great for me. And I do enjoy the driving range and hitting balls. So it's a little bit of play. It's a little bit of drip feeding things that make you really happy. Um, Learning about gardening or painting or whatever it might be. I love colouring in. I love colouring in. I just, my brain and jigsaw puzzles. We did a lot of jigsaw puzzles in the pandemic and it just allowed my brain, yeah, it allowed my brain to stop. Yeah, it was great. Well, I think like this is a great book. I think it's a nice way for people to kind of rethink about how they want to get to where they want to get and live the life that they want. And I guess like um, just being aware of our time, like what advice do you think you could leave listeners with about the life plan and that you'd want to share? Yeah, I'd love listeners just to think about how precious life is and we only get one shot and we only get today once. So this is about if we want to live calmly and confidently and embrace mindfulness, we can only do that if we know where we want to go. Because the brain just cannot do it for the sake of doing it because someone said it sounded good for me. It's creating that vision on how you want to feel is actually gives you purpose 
to want to learn mindfulness or breathing or meditation or journaling or compassion or empathy or any of the things that we might want to learn, it's because we're trying to evolve into something. We're trying to keep moving forward. We're trying to get out of the stuck state. So give the brain a vision and then build, you know, a beautiful plan to support that with goals and habits and things that you'd love to learn. And you've got purpose, a daily purpose. And that's what we all look for is what is my purpose today? And if we don't know, we haven't, don't know our values, it's very, very difficult. So this is about you. This is about getting into the driver's seat again. This is about taking control of your life. And this is about you creating the life that you want. Well, thank you for like such an inspiring outlook on life and like being able to share that with other people um, with your book. And like, I think I really, I think um, I will, we can put like some of the resources and it sounds like, as you said, if people are interested in your vision board or the journals that they're being sold, um, if they want to kind of move forward with the life plan. So I really appreciate your taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. There are a lot of free downloads on my website as well, shannakennedy.com, where there are free vision boards, screensavers, um, so people can put them onto their screen and have all of the beautiful pictures and the words. Um, And there is a free downloadable kit and, and also words that they can download that have all been designed for them. So there is a lot of free things on my website too, just to help with visualization and the brain and supporting the brain with the right wording. Oh, well, thank you so much, Shanna. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful to share.